Hello there, HCI learners. Welcome to another episode of Nine to Thrive HR, a podcast for the most pressing issues facing talent management today, and a podcast that allows you to hear from experts and practitioners in the field of HR. I'm Holly Pennebaker, your host for today. You can find me on Twitter at H-P-E-N-N-E-B-A-K-E-R. And don't forget to follow HCI on Twitter at human underscore capital. And if you're listening on iTunes today, please be sure to give us a rating. It helps other like-minded people discover the program. For today's episode, I'm joined by Sarah Devereaux. Sarah is the head of executive development programs at Google, which sits with Google's central learning and development group, People Operations. She and her team provide onboarding, ongoing skill development programs, and immersive experiences to Google's top-ranking executives. Sarah joined Google in 2006, and she's spent the most of her career in the learning and development space. For more than five years, she's led a program called Googlers to Googlers, or G2G, which is a volunteer teaching network that brings learning opportunities to tens of thousands of Google employees around the world every year. And that's what she's here to talk about today. So welcome, Sarah. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm always so excited to talk about this program. It's pretty unique to Google, um, but there's really no reason it has to be. It's a model that anyone could emulate as long as there's organizational readiness for it. So I'm really excited to tell you more about it. Well, we're excited too, and that's also because learning and development is a hot topic for HCI in 2017, and in fact, Sarah's scheduled to keynote in mid-September at our Learning and Leadership Development Conference in Chicago. She'll deliver her presentation, Google's G2G Googlers to Googlers Program, a lesson in community, culture, and trust. So at this time, we'll move into a question and answer session with Sarah. So Sarah, first off, tell us a bit more about G2G. What is it exactly and how did it start? Why does it work? Give us an overview. Yeah, absolutely. So G2G, as you shared, is our internal volunteer teaching network. We have about 7,000 Google employees that participate currently. These folks are dedicating a portion of their time to helping their peers learn and grow. And this is all outside of their core job responsibilities, which means we don't pay them to do it at all. These volunteers who we call G2Gers can participate in the program in a variety of ways. They can teach a course, they can provide one-to-one coaching and mentoring, they can even design learning materials on their own, live courses, online courses and e-learnings, resources, and these folks are literally teaching everything. We've got G2G courses on Python, HTML5, sales skills, machine learning, even difficult conversations, just to name a few. And then you've got all the non-work-related stuff that you may have seen in articles here and there. So things like salsa dancing, tightrope walking, uh, my personal favorite introduction to fire breathing. Uh, We even have a course on medieval jousting, which launched in our Dublin office last year. Now, I don't want you to think that we're just teaching folks to joust and dance uh, all the time. About 96% of our courses led by G2Gers are are on work-related topics. But these fun courses definitely have their place and create a culture where everyone feels like they have something to share. Even if you're new, we value your contribution. And this is really something that we've seen increases engagement with the program, um, even for, for folks that we call Nooglers or New Googlers. So 
at Google, we, we really believe that everyone plays a role in the learning process. So it's not just the responsibility of learning and development. It's truly a team effort. And we bring in people from all over the company to help us ensure that every Googler has the opportunity to learn, grow, and develop, no matter where they sit in the organization or where they're located. Now, you also asked about how G2G started and why it works. These two things are super related. Um, G2G started in 2007 in Dublin, and it was truly born out of necessity. We had hundreds of new employees being hired that year into our EMEA headquarters and only three trainers. So, you know, physically impossible to get all of those people trained with only three folks. So we asked our sales leadership to lend us the best people that they had, bring them on as temporary trainers to handle the huge influx of new hires. We taught them how to teach. We got them familiar with the content, and then we, we turned them loose. Um, it was a kind of an insane summer. Uh, we, we thanked everyone um, when it was over for their help, and we sent them back to their day jobs. Um, but there was just one hiccup with the plan. The, these volunteers, they didn't want to stop. They wanted to keep teaching. So people were asking us, how can I keep helping? Can I get on a list or something? Is there a way to do this part-time in the future? And that's when we knew we really had something. So the program quickly spread to more offices in Europe, crossed over the Atlantic to the U.S. about a year later, uh, and then local training teams started implementing it in Boston, Toronto, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and then finally in the Bay Area. But after more than four years, and this kind of gets into why it works, um, we only had about 400 participants. And given Google's population, that's just, it's not a lot. Um, they were still primarily teaching sales training, and the quality was significantly lower than our full-time trainers. We couldn't help but think this, this all worked so well at first. What happened? What did we do wrong? Now, spoiler alert, we, we did figure it out, and we scaled the program to those 7,000 participants I talked about earlier by 2017. But it was really slow to get started. We had, you know, zero to 400 in about five years, and then we had 400 to 7,000 in about another five years. So what changed? The answer is, is actually pretty simple. It's trust. Um, we stopped trusting people. We implemented rules and requirements, all, all with very pure intentions, of course. We wanted to make sure that our quality was high. But in the process, we demotivated our volunteers and we stalled the program. They didn't think we thought they could do it. I'll talk more about this during my keynote in Chicago in September, uh, and we'll, I'll share more about what we did to fix it. Thanks so much, Sarah. I can only imagine how much fun it would be to learn how to salsa dance and become a fire breather outside of work. So could you tell us some more of the key points behind recruiting and the right people with the right expertise for these positions? And how do you support them in order to drive consistency and quality for all of the participants? Let's start with recruiting. So selecting the right people to teach each piece of content is critical to success. It, it can be a ton of work, but by investing upfront to find folks who are passionate about helping their peers grow, you really will save a lot of time and resources later on by not having to struggle with accountability or motivation. So a few tips that I always share. Uh, number one, make sure they're interested. Oftentimes, we see folks who are trying to find GDGers for their programs gravitate towards nominations to source volunteers. Sounds like a really good idea. It sounds fast, efficient, you know, high quality. Get leaders to nominate the best subject matter experts for the topic. Tell them that they have to contribute. But it's, it actually, it's not a great idea. It doesn't really work. Uh, a passion for, for teaching and sharing expertise is truly critical to a volunteer's success. 
Over the years, we've found that GDGers who have been nominated to teach but don't have a passion for teaching tend to have lower quality scores than those who self-select into the program. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't use nominations at all, but assessing a candidate's level of interest, not just their level of competency, has to be part of the process. Okay, number two, interest alone isn't enough. It's true, interest is critical in selecting volunteers like I just described, um, but you don't, you don't want to accept just everyone who's interested. It needs to be a balance between finding folks who are passionate about teaching as well as experts in the content. And then finally, number three, take time to interview. This is an easy one to skip. They sound great. They look great. Let's just take them. We're in a hurry. But no matter which route you take, volunteerism or nominations, you should always sit down with potential volunteers to get to know them and assess their fit for the program. Trust me, it'll save you a ton of time later. At Google, we start off with a short introductory conversation, about 20 to 30 minutes, just to share a bit about the G2G program, expectations of their participation, and to ensure that the candidate has manager approval. If everyone's still interested, we do an hour-long teach-in where candidates are asked to give a training on any topic. Then there's the final meeting where the team shares the decision to either accept or reject. So in terms of development and quality assurance, so the second part of your question, we, we do a ton. Uh, I'll talk more about this in Chicago as well, but to give you an idea, we have seven development courses focused on facilitation, coaching, design, and consulting skills that are just for our G2Gers. We offer one-to-one -one coaching with our most senior G2Gers who have been in the program for years and who have high quality scores and a lot of expertise to share with more junior participants. And we've automated our quality assurance process, providing ongoing feedback and support to all 7,000 of our community members. All right, thank you, Sarah. And so, how does the G2G program connect to business results and success for Google? Do you have any words of wisdom to other learning leaders trying to start a similar program in their organization? Yeah, so continuous learning and growth is a big part of Google's culture. It's a big part of what we consider Googly. Uh, G2G provides nearly 80% of all formal learning that happens at Google. Last year, just for perspective, 2016, uh, that was over 65,000 hours of training in over 100 offices globally. In order to continue to produce better and better products for our users, we need to continually better ourselves. And G2G plays a big role in making that happen. So, okay, uh, words of wisdom. Um, okay, so when creating a program like this, it's super tempting to want to control everything. You want to make sure it's great, right? So you want to make sure that you have regulations and quality processes and everything in place right from the get-go. Who teaches what, when they teach, where they teach, who they're teaching, you know, the list of things you can control goes on and on. But as I talked about a bit earlier, the real secret is that in order to be successful, you have to let go of control and you have to trust people. So I guess my, my words of wisdom are trust people to do great work and they'll pretty much always exceed your expectations. What a great note to end on. Sarah, thank you so much for spending part of your day with HCI. Great, thank you so much for having me, Holly. I look forward to continuing the conversation in Chicago. See you there. Yep, we can't wait. It's a few months away, but it'll be here before you know it. And as always, we thank our listeners for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed listening. You can find HCI podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, 
and on the YouTube channel HCI Talent. If you'd like to learn more from experts on the challenges of change, shifting culture, content curation, and new leadership criteria and development, join HCI in Chicago's Magnificent Mile September 18th through 20th for the Learning and Leadership Development Conference. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, thank you for listening.